0: This past Sunday our pastor jokingly said in his sermon that he often gets asked by little kids to uh, make his sermons longer. Now of course that's not true and he was joking uh, but what was particularly funny to me and my family is during the middle of the message my six-year-old went up to my wife uh, leaned up to her and he said he whispered in her ear and I could hear him though because he doesn't know how to whisper he said is it okay if I go ahead and take make this a nap time now And so he did. He just fell asleep right there in the middle of service. By the end of uh, the message, he was completely conked out. Uh, I actually got up at one point to go do some of my responsibilities as a pastor, and he had no clue. He was just there um, completely limp and, and asleep. And so it made me think about that age-old joke about falling asleep during the pastor's sermon, which, of course, I don't recommend to do. Pay attention uh, to Pastor Doug's sermons and any any other pastor. If you go to a different church, pay attention to the sermon. But it does raise the question about the thought of being bored at church. Or maybe we'll just say this, what if you're just bored in the Christian walk? What if your life just, uh, your Christian walk, your Christian life just hasn't been Um, One that's on fire for God, one that's ablaze for God. What if you just kind of see the Christian life as boring? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's get into it. Welcome to Faith in Real Life, where we talk about truths of the scripture that are relevant to your life and faith. My name is Obi, I'm the pastor to single adults and men here at First Baptist O'Fallon, and I am all alone today, and I actually mean all alone. I don't have Bryson with me today, we're actually supposed to have two guests on today, and then my production guy, my assistant, uh, Jacob, is actually quarantined. So when I say I'm alone, I mean we got no one behind the scenes, it's just me. Um, So this will be an interesting one for you. Um, Jacob's fine. He had a member of his family that had COVID, and so uh, they're quarantining. And that person's doing pretty well too. So they're quarantining for safety. And so we're breaking this up because uh, we have some guests playing, and we want to make sure we have uh, our tech guy back before we try to do uh, four four people on at once. And we like to make his life hard, not ours. But I'm excited to talk to you about um, this passage today. So I'm going to be in Second Samuel chapter 23, and this is one of the coolest passages of Scripture uh, that there is, in my opinion. It's just one of the coolest stories, one of the most interesting stories, uh, one of the greatest testimonies. And I want to talk about what to do if you're bored at church or bored in your Christian walk, whatever you want to say. If maybe the Christian life's just not quite doing it for you, uh, what to do about it? What does Scripture say to do about it? What what are some ways to kind of maybe set your Christian walk on fire? And I'm going to kind of submit to you that maybe... Um, if that's how you feel sometimes, then it's a perspective change. We'll, we'll get in, into that in a second. Um, this passage, though, is uh, pretty special to me. This was uh, my dad, actually, who is a pastor. He, he preached this message at uh, my best friend's funeral. My best friend was a, a Navy SEAL and uh, grew up with him, knew him since I was two. And uh, when he was 26 years old, he uh, went overseas and um, was killed in action. And so this was preached at my best friend's funeral. And it was specifically relevant because this is a passage that is essentially King David's special forces. And so um, it was just always a really cool thing to me. So in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, if you were to look at verse 1, it says, These these are the last words of David. So, kind of declaration of at the end of his life. And what happens um, after a few things are said, it gets to exploits of his warriors or stories about his warriors. So, for instance, if you were to go to um, verse 8, uh, I'll just read it. It says, these are the names of David's warriors and the names a few people. Um, and it says, in the middle of verse 8, it says, this guy wielded his spear against 800 men that he killed at one time. And that, of course, doesn't mean he killed with one spear thrust. It means in, in a battle. Um, in one battle, he killed 800 men. So I mean, this is an elite warrior. After that, you got in verse nine. It says, after him, Eleazar, son of Dodo, son of an uh, Oahite, Sorry, I mispronounced that. Was among the three warriors with David when they defied the Philistines. The men of the Israel, uh, the men of Israel retreated in the place they had gathered for battle. But Eleazar stood his ground and attacked the Philistines until his hand was tired and stuck to his sword. And so it doesn't mean it just glued there. It means that his hand cramped up when he's he's trying to fight all these people. And I don't know if you've ever had that, where you do something so long that your, your hand or a, a part of you locks up and you can't control it for a while. And so these are the types of stories that are told. And he, he had uh, King David had kind of an elite group that was called the 30, and you're going to see that in a second, I think. Um, But he had an elite group called the 30, which were um, essentially his special forces that would go um, do these special missions, or they were his mighty men uh, type. But what's interesting is the passage I'm going to read from verses 13 to 17 is, yeah, you had the 30, but then there were three that were extra significant. So I'm going to start that out in verse 13. It says, Three of the thirty, so there's your three, leading warriors, went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam, while a company of Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and a Philistine garrison, garrison was at Bethlehem. So I want you to hear what, let me just set this context. Hear what's happening. You've got a company of Philistines, so a company of the enemy, is encamped around Bethlehem, and David is in a stronghold, in a way, kind of hiding, like taking shelter from this army. And you have three of his 30 leading warriors. Now, if I just prefaced that for you, if I just said, um, what kind of story do you expect to happen? When you hear that, you know it's in the last words of David, and and he's talking about his mighty warriors, and you've got the army of Philistines encamped around Bethlehem, and David in a stronghold, and three of his 30 come down to him, come to David, and then the story's going to happen. What kind of story do you expect? And the truth is, if you hear that kind of thing, you're going to say, well, I expect a really action-packed story, some heroic feat, and you're going to, in a way, get that, but you're going to see that it's not quite what you think. Um... But that's what we'd expect. We'd expect excitement and all this. And I just want to start off the story this way because I want us to remember that sometimes we expect that from the Christian life. That we just think every day is going to either be a revival or um, a spiritual blessing or, hey, I wouldn't mind some physical blessing. Give, give me some abundance in this life, God. And, and we think that life maybe uh, will always be that way. And so when the mundane uh, mundane life Maybe takes over. We wonder: Is this Christianity all that's cracked up to be? Is this Christianity really what's for me? Is it real? Is it just boring? Um, really, do I just pray and read my Bible and and that kind of thing? Is that really what Christianity is about? And so we're going to see. Um, I think something that'll kind of shift our perspective. And again, we're talking about what to do if you're bored at church. But I really mean what if you're what to do if you're bored with the Christian walk? So we have this: the third uh, three of the thirty are coming down to visit David while he's in this encampment and, um, and the Philistines are in garrison around Bethlehem. So they're, they're surrounding Bethlehem and, and David's in his stronghold. So then you pick it up in verse 15 and it says, David was extremely thirsty and said, if only someone would bring me water to drink from the well at the city gate of Bethlehem. So, so hear this, you got your king there, he's in a stronghold, and he's thirsty, and he's, he's feeling a little nostalgic. He says, you know what, I just wish, I, I, I'm thinking of this the specific well at the gate of Bethlehem, I just wish I got a cup of water from there. Now, you've probably had some people in your life, maybe at a job, maybe at church, ask you for some stuff, you're like, you know, I think there's probably an easier way to do that. I think there's a better way. I think there's some things that we could maybe do instead of that. Um, if I'm if I'm one of these three mighty warriors, and and I hear the king say, "Oh, I wish I could have a cup of water from this specific well," I'd say, "Well, you know, king, there's a creek about two miles that way. How about I go over there where the enemy is not, where there's no army that I will have to fight? How about I go there and get you some water? You just you're just thirsty, okay? We'll get that, but." They knew the king was was more than just thirsty, it's nostalgia. It's longing for his home, longing for Bethlehem, longing for his city. And so cups of water are not exciting. That's what I want you to hear about this story, is that cups of water in and of themselves are not exciting. But if your king wants a cup of water, a faithful servant gets one. So I wonder what are the cups of water in your life before we even see what happens with this. As we start to think about boredom, as we start to think about little things, a cup of water is a little thing until the king wants it. If we start to think about the different things in your life that maybe you're tired of doing, maybe you get bored of doing, maybe you don't get the recognition that you deserve, and you know what, you probably do deserve recognition, but take your recognition from God. When we start to think of all those different tasks, all those different um, things that we may not like to do, including, yeah, reading God's Word, including prayer. Now, maybe you love one of those, but I think a lot of Christians don't. I think there's a lot of people who leave their Bible untouched because maybe it's intimidating, but also because they dive into it and they, they may get a little bored. Cups of water are not exciting, but if your king wants a cup of water, a faithful servant gets one. So I want to look at this next verse. And I'm just going to look at the first part. So that was verse 15. So just remind you what happened. So three of the 30 come down to David. He's in a stronghold. And then the Phil, uh, Philistines are encamped around Bethlehem while David's in this stronghold. And David gets extremely thirsty, thirsty and says, I wish I could have a cup of water from this specific place. So verse 16 says this, so three of the warriors broke through the Philistine camp and drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. They brought it back to David. All right, and I'm just going to pause there. I'll read the rest in a second. Hear what happened. The three warriors go and they fight through the Philistines. They say, okay, you want a cup of water. You want a cup of water and not just any cup. I could go over to this river or this creek and I get you a cup of water, but you want it from that well. okay. So the three warriors break through the Philistine camp. Now, they weren't just playing Red Rover, Red Rover, where they just broke their arms, right? They go fight through the Philistine camp. They go into enemy territory because it's occupied by enemy, and they have to go through it to get to the city, to get to the gate, and they get the cup of water, and they're going to bring it back out to David. Now, here's the question, because I asked you at first, and I wanted us to think about it first, Um, the different exciting things. When you think of a story like this, in the place that it is, the last words of David, recounting the actions of his mighty men, you say, okay, this is the type of story I'm talking about. This is the type of thing. How come Christian life isn't like this? I mean, maybe you don't want to go to war, and I hope you don't, but you want action. You want excitement. You want things. Man, bring a revival. Bring spiritual blessing. Bring physical blessing. I want to see healings. I want to see all these things. Bring it all, God. But I want you to think about verse 16 again. what they go do? Did they go retake Bethlehem in this story? I mean, this is recounting the last words of David, what his mighty men did. It didn't say, oh, remember that time we retook the kingdom? Oh, remember that time where we beat back people who were trying to overtake our kingdom? No, this story is a cup of water. So the question I have is, was the job extraordinary? Was the job interesting? No. The job was a cup of water. The job was not extraordinary, but their effort was. As you start to think about the things you do for God, and if you get bored at church, if you get bored in the Christian walk, how extraordinary is your effort? Let me tell you, this was exciting, but the job wasn't. The job was a cup of water. The job was not something that was going to just shatter the world even if they're successful in this mission. Okay, the king may not be thirsty anymore. And we could have done it a different way too. But the king wanted a cup of water and while it may seem silly to any of us we said, hey king, let's go get it from somewhere where there's not an enemy. He says, no I want this. And they say, okay, we're faithful servants. We're going to go get it. We will fight through the enemy line. I will take them on and I'll get you a cup of water. That's What happened? That was extraordinary effort. The job was not extraordinary. The effort was. So look what happens next. I'll read verse 16 again. It says, So three of the warriors broke through the Philistine camp and drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. They brought it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. Verse 17 says, David said, Lord, I would never do such a thing is this not the blood of men who risked their lives? So he refused to drink it. Such were the exploits of the three warriors. So it finishes there saying, this is the type of thing that they always did for David. This was the kind of loyalty that they had. This was the kind of effort, extraordinary effort, extraordinary feats, even to the mundane thing of getting a cup of water. But listen what David did. He refused to drink it. Instead, he pours it out like an offering to God. Now, I know I've read commentaries on this and they'll say, you know, it was a sign of ultimate respect and, and things like that. And um, I mean, he's saying, essentially, he realized what it would cost when, it, when he said, this is the blood of my men. And he's like, you know, I realized what when I said this exactly what it would cost. It could cost the lives of my men. And I think he had such value. I hear all that. But imagine being one of those warriors who risked his life. Now maybe they saw it as respect, maybe they did, but I'm telling you how I would feel. <laughs> and I think you would agree with me. If I say, all right, you said do this crazy job. And you ever had someone tell you to do a crazy job? I went and did it your way. And then when I did it your way, you decide you didn't want it anymore. That's how I would feel. I, I don't I can't tell you whether or not they felt that way. I'm just saying what I would feel like. Now what's interesting is when I think about the different things that we see in the lives of um, people that sometimes they just don't make sense. We don't always know what God is doing. We don't always know why he does the things he does. We don't know why he allows things to happen that, man, that's just not how I would have done it, God. That's not the way I would have done it. Here's what I want to ask you. If David's men had been asked by their king to go get another cup of water, okay, I've got this cup of water. You brought this to me. Well, this one is an offering. I'm going to pour it out on the ground. It's an offering to the Lord. It represents the blood that you all were willing to sacrifice for me. I want you to go get me another cup of water. Now, you and I may be like, you're crazy, king. We shouldn't have got that first water. You should have done it the way I said. That's how we talk, right? You should have done it the way I said. We don't know what you're doing, God. What are you thinking, God? I bet these men would have went and got another cup of water. Because when the king wants a cup of water a faithful servant gets a cup of water. And when the job is something that's not extraordinary, it's ordinary. The effort can still be extraordinary. These were faithful men, such were the exploits of these three warriors. That's what it says. So what I want to hear or what I want us to hear from scripture is it's not about the job you do for God. It's about the heart you put into it. It's not about how fun, how exciting something is. It's does that mission for God, have your whole heart. Whatever He calls you to, maybe you are working in childcare, and you maybe you feel underappreciated. I think our kids' life does a great job of making their people feel appreciated, but maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you're in uh, worship, maybe adult ministry, and and uh, and you just are like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I'm making a difference. I don't know if I'm making an impact. Maybe you're not connected at all, and and you haven't been serving God. I don't know what it is, but I'm saying this. If God lays something on your heart, you're not doing it for adult ministry, worship, Pastor Doug, Kids Life, student ministry, any of the ministries here. You're not doing it for them. If you go to a different church and you're watching this, whatever you do, hopefully you're serving. But if you're serving, you're not doing it for anyone there. You're doing it for God. I don't know what the job is. Maybe it's boring. Maybe it is exciting. You know, I I imagine if I were watching um, elementary students... That could be uh, kind of exciting. I know for my six year old, there is never a dull moment. But what I'm saying is this whatever the job is, it's not about the job, it's about doing it for your king. These men would risk life for the most mundane thing for their king. But we serve the king of kings, we serve the lord of lords. The question I have for you is what will you do for your king? we think about being bored in the Christian walk, we think about being bored in the Christian life, I just want you to hear the heart of these men that would do the ordinary with extraordinary effort. They would do anything for their earthly king. What would you do for the king of kings? If we are bored in the Christian walk, if we are bored in the Christian life, if we're bored at church, then I'm going to say, just give extraordinary effort for the things God calls you to. If I'm giving my all for God, if I'm pouring my life into his word, into prayer, into being a witness, I'm going to know him more. I'm going to love him more. I'm not going to be bored in those things. Give God your whole heart like these men gave to David. Give God your whole heart, your whole attention, your whole affection. Give it all to him. Do the things that he calls you to. Well, thank you for listening. So next week will be interesting. We'll have Bryson. uh, He'll be doing a a solo podcast as well. So I'm looking forward to what he has prayerfully. Jacob will be out of quarantine in two weeks and we'll be able to uh, go back to our normal podcast episodes. We have some really interesting things planned for young adults and for families and parenting and things like that. So really looking forward to finishing out this year um, talking about those things. Well, if you are in the area, we would love for you to stop by, uh, visit our church, First Baptist O'Fallon. We have two worship services. We also have uh, small groups that we call life groups, and you can do worship or small groups in person or online. We have all sorts of options, and you can find out information about all of that at fbcofallon.org. That's fbcofallon.org, and we'll see you next time.